most businesses today face two major marketing challenges. One, people are overloaded by information. We're talking about four and a half billion pieces of new content every day. And two, people have much shorter attention spans and spend only about eight seconds on anything before they jump onto the next thing. It's no wonder that companies are struggling to get their message heard. The result of poor marketing communications is that half of all new business ventures fail in their first four years, according to the Bureau of Labor Statistics. With this in mind, Visual Storytelling Institute co-founders Shlomi Ron and Alex Caravallo ask themselves, how can businesses connect more powerfully with audiences? Welcome to Visual Storytelling Today. This is your number one source for the latest and most effective business marketing strategies you can apply today to rise above the noise. From video and infographics to augmented and virtual reality, join us every month to meet notable visual storytellers and discover their marketing insights and stories. Here's your host, Shlomi Ron. Welcome everybody, my name is Shlomi Ron. I'm the co-founder at the Visual Storytelling Institute based here in Miami, Florida. I'm very excited to have an amazing guest today, Tim Sekou. He's the co-founder and CEO of Tint, which is a platform that helps brands aggregate, create, and display any social media feeds anywhere they want, in essence. So he started five years ago when he realized that social content is practically siloed. You have to go to each platform separately in order to consume, and he figured out a platform that can aggregate user-generated content. Today, the company is boasting over 5,000 brands as clients from United Nation, Krispy Kreme, Lowe's Hotel, among others, that they all leverage Tint user-generated platform to add an authentic customer voice uh, to their marketing program. So with that, <laughs> uh, welcome to the show, Tim. Thank you. Thank you so much for the uh, introduction and uh, excited to share what we've learned along the way uh, with people who are more curious on how to uh, leverage user-generated content for their visual storytelling. Awesome. That's great. So maybe if we can uh, kind of rewind uh, the movie a little bit and you can tell us <laughs> how you got started uh, uh, in your journey with Tint. I understand that you had a different company in the beginning. Sure. So um, rewind back into the when I was around five years old, my mother asked me okay. what I wanted to be when I grew up. And I first told her either the first Asian American president of the United States or... Oh, wow or a hotel manager, so very different. And uh, long story short, she positioned me to push me more into the political route because I always wanted to sort of solve problems in an efficient way with smart people. Mm -hmm. And so I tried a political route, didn't work out, then went into business school to try out entrepreneurship as another way to still solve problems as my original sort of mission. And um, from there, took a class at my college where I went to uh, USC down in Los Angeles. And uh, the class project was to come up with an idea and take it as far as you can. Mm -hmm. The first version of what Tint is today, uh, the first version of what Tint was today is called, was called Hype Marks. And essentially it was a, more of a social bookmarking uh, web application. Mm -hmm. And uh, pretty much the only difference between us and every other social bookmarking application out there was that we collected content from your Facebook and Twitter because we saw that whenever you shared content on there, it was like a form of bookmarking. Uh -huh. um, and just didn't grow, didn't do that well. And so <laughs> we kind of 
pressed the brakes and asked our customers or users at that time, uh, what did they like the most? And they liked the aggregation technology, but they didn't like it on our web application. They mm -hmm. liked it on their websites. Got and so kind of think about it, they really wanted to find a way to uh, have good, authentic, fresh content that they've already, you know, shared and created on, on their social media, but onto their websites. So, mm. you know, fast forward to today, we are now um, a marketing content marketing platform that helps brands really humanize their marketing. So what does that mean? It means specifically like we collect the best customer content or user-generated content that's created on behalf of the brand uh, uh -huh. on social media yep. and then be able to help them look and analyze which ones are the best content and then clear the rights to that content with them and then finally give them access to this content so these brands can repurpose it on their marketing channels so that um, there's a more authentic content that comes in and a lot more uh, authentic storytelling that uh, it exudes for the viewers. I see. So in essence, it sounds like you started almost, uh, you had the, this, the roots of the idea was really anchored in the fact that you want to leverage social media content. Yeah. And initially it was a, a book market. Yeah, bookmarking exactly. Like a Reddit type uh, experience. Yeah. And then you figure out a way that uh, most people want kind of a more centralized uh, or the ability to uh, distribute this content, uh, not just on just your platform, but uh, on the website or elsewhere. Yes, that's correct. Got it. No, this is uh, fascinating. So since we are talking about, uh, you know, we are the Visual Storytelling Institute, you know, we kind of uh, try to <laughs> Uh, distribute the gospel of visual storytelling yeah. and it's a fairly new discipline as you may know you know had its roots uh, obviously in the entertainment world and since now we all like you and uh, a lot of other businesses try to figure out ways to break through the clutter the, then visual storytelling is one way to do it so I'm kind of curious uh, what is your definition for visual storytelling yeah. Um, so, you know, what I think about when I think about first, I, I'll break it down to two parts. One, I think about storytelling, then I think about visual storytelling. Mm -hmm. um, so storytelling, um, obviously what differentiates a brand and, and a company from another one is their story. Um, mm -hmm. We all come from different roots. We all have our different cultures that we develop in our company. Pretty much our story as a brand is what differentiates us. And right. from, my, from my perspective with Tint, it's a lot around like, you know, I can tell my story, but the, the best and most trusted and authentic uh, voice of telling the story will probably be from my employees or mm -hmm. our customers. So people outside of, of myself being able to tell that story. Now, yeah. to the second point of visual storytelling, you know, we all can agree and understand that as human, uh, we are creatures of, of, of imagery and visuals. Yep. Um, it all goes into like, you know, an image, you know, has a thou speaks a thousand words. So, yep. um, you know, what we, what, what we always kind of share with our, with our brands and our clients is that we give, we, we provide a way for you to authentically tell your story through your customer uh, testimonials, your customer photos, and it doesn't even have to be your customers. It could be your audience. It right. could be employees, really anyone around your community to be yep. able to speak on behalf of you and be able to tell your story. Uh, that's what we try to achieve and, and share and, and, and uh, uh, share knowledge on for our clients. Well, that's awesome. Yeah. I can totally relate to this because uh, in fact, my first uh, experience with the, 
UGC was, uh, I was heading digital marketing for a serious decision. It's one of the leading uh, B2B research advisory firms. And, you know, every year they have the annual summit. And as part of uh, the digital marketing program, they, we actually mounted, if you can imagine, 13 feet by 26 feet giant uh, digital uh, video wall, in essence. Mm. I can still remember 90 tiles. <laughs> mm. And we created this uh, custom interface that, uh, again, used the uh, UGC content uh, to kind of mirror, you know, what attendees, 2000 attendees were thinking. Right. And it was a fantastic, you know, uh, achievement. You know, I almost, because I was kind of managing the, the project, so I, I really felt like people were treating it as a digital altar. You know, they were kind of going there, like, you know, mesmerized by, you know, seeing their stuff up there. And, you know, and that's what got me interested in this category that uh, you guys are driving and, and seeing the, the power of, of people get amplified. It's like on a very small scale, I'm sure you, you could agree. It's almost like those ads where you have the scene as seen on TV. Yeah. Yeah. yeah <laughs> so yeah. people are really, you know, are empowered uh, by being part of the, of the focus uh, of attention. So makes sense and kind of turn them into to heroes, basically. So, no, this is awesome. So, yeah, so w when we think about, uh, from that perspective, user-generated user marketing is really about uh, what you mentioned earlier, the problem of, of solving, a, you know, flat brand messages that goes every day. And if you think about all these uh, Fortune 500 companies where, the marketing team might dream up a program and then it has to go through legal, through PR, and by the end it comes out, it's completely... <laughs> yeah, that makes a lot of sense, right? I think uh, you know, another, way of, another way of putting it is um, in marketing today, a lot of yeah. what we see is buy me, buy me, buy me, I'm the best, I'm the best, um, right. I'm this or I'm that kind of thing. So it's pretty much um, an opportunity for uh, the customers to be able to uh, be the, the best marketers for, for the brand. Yeah, and from that perspective, I really love your uh, statement on your website uh, where it, you say it's all about crafting authentic stories crafted by real people for real people. Yeah, and that's correct. This is really a fantastic statement because I think people tend to uh, relate more uh, to people like them, and you know that's I, correct. I, yeah. And, if, and in general, I think uh, marketing, I, I wonder if you agree, is that it's all about uh, the ability to mirror the, the customer problem in your story. Absolutely, yeah. So, um, you know, I, I give a story where the other, the, a couple months ago, as I'm an avid traveler and my, my bag broke and, um, you know, what do I do when my bag breaks? I look for another one. And typically where we start our journey of, of making a purchase is uh, on Google uh -huh. and we'll, we'll make a purchase. I mean, we'll, we'll, we'll do a search and you'll get tons of results back. And, you know, there's just a lot of noise telling you to, to buy this one or buy that one. Right. And, you know, when I found one where it was recommended by a blog post and I went on their website afterwards and then, um, you know, still trying to think about making a decision, it mm -hmm. was, wasn't until... Um, I saw some great customer photos that were also using that bag that uh, got me to 
you know, finally want to make that purchase because I relate to those people who are using the bags and I felt more trusted. I felt I, I trusted the, the brand even more. No, absolutely. I mean, this is always uh, the case, you know, with the, I think I saw a stat talking about 83% of the people uh, trust their, you know, friends or colleagues than, That's correct, <laughs> than the yeah. brand messages. Yeah. So, yeah. So can, can you give us like a, a good sense of this? So a tint when you uh, help clients with their UGC programs, what is the end-to-end -end process looks like? Yeah, so pretty much um, from, from our perspective, what we usually do is we ask the brand, what is, it, what is your marketing goal that you're trying to achieve? Mm -hmm. Typically it's engagement, but other times it's around conversions. Uh, so, you know, depending on that, so for engagement, we'll say like, okay, if your goal is engagement, um, let's, you know, start to create a campaign and, and come up with a hashtag that makes a lot of sense for your uh, yeah. audiences to join in on and join in on the conversation. They'll, you know, open it up to many different platforms like Twitter and Instagram and even other platforms that are coming out as well to uh, elicit participation and then basically have a call to action. And then sometimes these call to actions can tie to a prize or a nonprofit to help donate. And so that's all about sort of like, and then so all the content will start to come in and then you uh -huh. have this landing page of all this great content that tells a story, right? And this, in this case, the story could be around uh, a cause that you're running or mm -hmm. it's around a certain holiday, whatever it may be, you yeah. tie your, your story to the content that the audiences and your customers are creating on behalf of you. So that's around engagement. If it's around conversion, what we can also do is really uh, kind of look for and surface up um, a lot of great customer content and then be able to repurpose that across um, the brand's um, marketing channels. So mm -hmm. essentially their websites, their screens, their advertising units, uh, their email marketing, because we know that and we've seen from many different research that um, uh, user-generated content outperforms brand-generated content right. uh, by a lot. And just because it's just more trustworthy, it's more um, authentic and more genuine. Uh, so we help them you know, find the best customer content and then be mm -hmm. able to uh, bring it into their existing marketing channels uh, so that the content just resonates with the viewer a lot more. And what is the process, uh, obviously, of clearing the rights uh, from the users? Because obviously, you know, this is part of your uh, execution program, I, I would imagine, right? Yeah. So pretty much, uh, it's really easily streamlined, actually. So yeah, we do agree. We do, you know, make sure we, we educate brands to clear the rights, um, especially if it's, if like you're a big company and you have a mm -hmm. big target on your back. Right. Um, also, if you wanted to use it for very obvious and blatant advertising uh, purposes. So let's say you do want to use us, use, you know, user content and use that as marketing on a big digital out of home screen in the middle of Times Square in New York. Uh -huh. We do encourage you to clear the rights just in case, just because that's a big, you know, advertising space and it can be interpreted as advertising. But um, aside from that, um, what you pretty much do is you, you can come into our system, you look for the best content, we help you analyze that, and then you can clear the rights by typing a message, and then it goes directly into the comment box on like their photo on Instagram or their tweet. And then within that comment, you can also insert uh, terms, uh, terms of service and terms and conditions URL, mm -hmm. so the user knows what they're agreeing to. And then all they have to do is just press hash. All they have to do is reply with a hashtag yes, and pretty much um, the rights are cleared. And then uh, the brand then sort of takes that content and then repurposes it um, across their uh, marketing channels. 
That's interesting. So, so this is in the use case where the content already been published, right? Yes, content has been published yep. and it's already existing out in the public. We don't look for any private content uh, because we want to respect that privacy, but um, the public content already lives on the social networks. All we're doing is exposing it um, outside and elsewhere so that um, the brand can benefit from it uh, in terms of you know, being able to connect the, uh, the, set, the emotional sentiments from the viewers but then uh, also give the view, the author and the creator of the content um, their sort of maybe 15 seconds of fame. Right, so what happens, for example, uh, let's get the, for example, in a, in a context, context uh, scenario where you wanna capture a real-time uh, content, uh, how do you clear the rights then? Because this is something that's not, you don't know what's going to be published yet. Yeah, so to, yeah. So with that, it's <laughs> a good question. So with that, uh, we usually advise the brand to come up with a unique hashtag uh, mm -hmm. that's very unique to like their, their real-time activation. Um, this might be at an event. This might be in their screens inside their own retail stores or even their offices. So pretty much come up with a unique hashtag because <clears throat> it's unique enough, and obviously this is subjective, but if it's unique enough, you can then argue that uh, someone who uses that hashtag uh, saw the call to action to say that, hey, join in the conversation to show up on, oh, on the screen. So there's, it, is, it goes into what we call implicit rights. Um, so pretty much if it's unique enough and the call to action is unique enough, that means they were notified that, you know, use this, content, use this hashtag to show up on the screen. And by them doing so, they already are cognizant of that. Yeah, that makes sense. And this way you kind of cover both ends, both uh, you know, past content and future content that's coming in. That's correct. That's cool. One thing uh, uh, that got me thinking uh, about you said earlier that clients come to you uh, for typically two use cases uh, or business objectives, one engagement, the other conversion. So uh, as part of doing some research for this uh, <laughs> show i i saw that uh, you guys uh, these days are working on a, a new uh, model for tint mm -hmm. that pretty much mapping uh, the ugc uh, by the stages of the customer journey mm -hmm. and one of the things i want to ask you about that is that uh, uh, at least from what i've seen is that uh, the the mapping is done by the uh, platform type so if it's a product page obviously it's going to be down in the funnel versus if yes. it's a you know an advertisement and jumbotron or yeah. screen uh, yes. yeah but i'm kind of wondering do you have also a differentiation to the content type yeah of, to related to which channel it's on right yeah because obviously this is something that you I don't know how much you can control. Maybe if you run a, a contest or something that uh, gear people towards a certain type of content, then you can actually control like reviews versus just uh, yeah. sharing an Instagram photo of the camera. For sure. So, <laughs> so just, to, just to rewind a little bit for those who are sort of tuning in, um, you know, we sort of relaunched a new messaging and sort of uh, vision for our, for our company where um, the goal is around helping brands really humanize their marketing um, across their customer buying journey. Uh, so think about the last time you were looking to purchase uh, a bag and um, you know, how are you exposed to that? How do you know when you need one? You, you either break one or your friend tells you about one or you see it on a magazine, right? And so imagine that magazine, um, that editorial or that, that advertisement was not necessarily someone who didn't relate to you, but more so someone like you 
uh, wearing that same bag and having a great review on that. That's sort of how we're thinking about really um, integrating uh, authentic user-generated content and imagery uh, into part of the, uh, the customer journey cycle. Now, what you're asking is, how, does the content differ for each of these channels? And I absolutely think so. And the stages so, as well. And the stages, right? So yeah, so you know, you have your stages of awareness to evaluation, uh, sorry, consideration, evaluation, mm -hmm. uh, purchase, and advocacy. Each of the stages um, have different intents for the uh, buyer. Right. So yes, I do agree that the content of, if obviously a more sophisticated marketer would understand that like the content needs to be different for each of these stages and the same applies when you do want to integrate user journal content into each of these stages on different uh, marketing channels. So for example, on a, um, on an advertisement, uh, like a social ad that we integrate mm -hmm. with, I want to have um, a photo of someone who has made a purchase and has had a great experience to get you excited about that. But then maybe on the evaluation stage or the consideration stage, you know, be able to find content that from a customer that specifically relates to their experience uh, of, of something differentiating them uh, or um, something that really stood out to them uh, throughout the buying experience. So the next question goes into like, how do I get these types of content? Right. That's where the sophisticated marketer would be able to come up with campaigns to be able to uh, get the customers or the audiences or the community to create content for that intent. So for example, like I said, with the, um, on the advertisement side, if I want to have content that's just related to people who've made a purchase, mm -hmm. maybe I will have a post purchase email that says, Hey, glad you bought this when it comes would love to have a photo of your, you and, and, and your experience of making that purchase. And you know, if, if we like it, we, might, we wanna use it for um, our future advertising, we'll, we'll credit you, we'll get you your 15 seconds of fame. We wanna really celebrate you as, a, as the main marketer for us. And um, pretty much uh, they would then use that on, on an advertisement. Whereas something else from the consideration stage, you would do another campaign that's specifically related to that type of content that you would need for, for that initiative. That's fascinating. So in other words, what you're saying is that basically marketers are working almost like choreographers. That it can be a choreography, a choreography <laughs> or you can do like, a, like an orchestra, right? You, 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 yeah. you cue certain things to, to get the things that you want. Exactly, to stage the, the intent, as you said, yes. in order to kind of match and that's it. Why, and that's why campaigns are, are very important because campaigns are, are sort of the kickstart and the jumpstart for the type of content that you would want to, to utilize um, for this uh, visual marketing afterwards. Absolutely. Yeah, so now that we have a, some sense of a, the end-to-end -end process and your perspective about visual storytelling, uh, and especially you know, how uh, your new approach uh, is applied to uh, the customer journey, can you give uh, maybe one or two example of, you know, great uh, UGC campaigns that uh, you're very proud of. I think they are fantastic examples. And yeah. we, yeah. Yeah, so I can give uh, one example that's like more on a small scale and another one on a big scale. So one small scale one that I thought was really awesome was um, FedEx. So FedEx launched a sort of, well, the, so the problem they had was like FedEx social strategy was always very bland. It was like, you know, what would you share for, as a FedEx yeah. manager? So what they decided, to, and then they, they mentioned that they only launched their Instagram because everyone else was doing it. So 
they were like, we need to kind of press this, the break button and then sort of reset and understand what we're trying to do. So they launched this new initiative called FedEx in the Wild. And literally the tagline is letting our fans be our storytellers. So what wow. they did was they essentially asked all their customers or even fans that don't necessarily purchase from them or use their service to like take photos of FedEx trucks, airplanes, mail, whatever it is in the wild. And so they would, you know, snap a photo and then, you know, use the hashtag like FedEx in the wild. And then the, the social media manager at FedEx would then be able to uh, look through all of them and find the best ones, clear the rights, and then repurpose that on their own Instagram channel so that they can engage their audiences. So that one is more of an engagement side, but right. also on a, as a second corollary effect, uh, a content creation, right? They're essentially outsourcing the content creation so they don't have to spend as much time or resources creating their own content on their social media. And as a result, they got around a 4X or about 400% increase in their follower growth rate in, in the first nine months because oh, wow. you have a lot of people just joining in and wanting to see their own photos on their Instagram channel and then making, you know, uh, following them afterwards to kind of continually be inspired by what else comes out of that from their, from their audiences. So that goes into the engagement uh, marketing mm -hmm. that I sort of mentioned in the beginning. Yep. Now, the second example uh, I would probably want to share is around the conversion side. So this is one of our customers who we work with a lot um, called Lowe's, Lowe's Hotels. And so mm -hmm. what Lowe's does is they, they know that, you know, they're in, in a very competitive hospitality industry. There's a lot of options to choose from. So how can we best tell our story um, so that we can get more guests to be excited to, to stay mm -hmm. with them? Yep. And so they launched a, a campaign uh, to kickstart the content creation, like I mentioned in the past, uh, called... Um, it was called uh, Travel for Real. And mm -hmm. so essentially anybody who was guests of Lowe's would be able to take photos and essentially be um, asked to get the rights to that content. And then what Lowe's did afterwards was repurpose that authentic customer photo and content across the whole, all their marketing channels, which then relates to the customer journey. So right. for example, specifically, they would use um, customer photos on their advertisement units so that um, people would, when they first heard about Lowe's, they would see uh, a, a kid just like them or their, who, who would be their son or daughter yep. uh, lying on a bed with their hands back and really enjoying that experience. And so they, Lowe's were able to use that content on an advertising unit. But then after that, they would also use it on their homepage because when you land on their homepage, after you click on the ad, you're now evaluating and considering if you want to make that purchase. So right on the homepage, they have a slider of other customer photos uh, hmm. or guest photos of their experience there. Not only, you know, their, their, their stay, but like maybe specifically at the pool experience, the, the dining experience, and then right. uh, other entertainment <clears throat> opportunities around the, the hotel. And then beyond that, once you go want to make a purchase or make the booking, you know, they have also other user-generated content within that booking page so that in the purchase stage, you feel even more confident. So there's, there's a consistent content mm -hmm. experience that's very authentic, that's powered by their guests, and ultimately it, it helps it, it, with the focus of increasing conversions because at any time of your customer journey, you're, you, know, you have content in front of you, let's replace let's, or even supplement branded content that's maybe not as effective with more effective uh, user-generated content or customer content and then be able to convert the, 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 the potential guest into uh, a guest afterwards. Now that makes a lot of sense because 
I know for a fact when I looking for to book a hotel reservation, you know, I always check the product reviews, you know, and sometimes you get those tiny details like, you know, the <laughs> The, the swing pool is the the water is always too cold or something right. you know, minor yeah. like that and you and it just stuck in your mind and then it, so yeah, really, the beauty the beauty yeah. of this is that uh, the brand <laughs> gets to control that story but also be able yeah. to tell that story very uh, authentically through their through their previous guests as well exactly and I think from that perspective on one hand you know your audience gets a very authentic story from real people but it goes both ways. I mean, some people can actually put bad reviews because it's, you know. <laughs> and yeah, we've seen, we've, seen, we've seen brands embrace that uh -huh. and, and then show what they did afterwards to, to remedy that, right? And then they can, they can display that content right. and display the, 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 what they did to, to sort of uh, solve that issue. And so that, you know, is the next level of transparency that if a brand wants to, they can absolutely do that. And we've seen that as well. Oh, it's so basically. If there was a bad the, yeah, if, if there's a moderation, like a Sparview moderation process, you can actually decide, you know, what type of content to include, and if you can have a, like a bad review, then the client can actually decide if they want to remedy it and kind of feature this transparency. Yeah, yeah it's again another another uh, storytelling, right? We we yeah. we take care of our guests, we listen to our guests and we solve yeah. our, our guests' challenges and, and we showcase that as well. Yeah, this is a great way of uh, demonstrating the conflict in the story and yes. how they resolved it. Yeah. <laughs> <There you go. laughs> One thing that I'm kind of curious uh, to know also uh, what you think is, obviously when we think about UGC is really uh, content that uh, we, we don't normally compensate the audience for, or sometimes they get, you know, some prizes as part of the yeah. contests. And the next level up, I would think, is influencer marketing. Those, you know, mega uh, users that have millions of followers. Yeah. I'm kind of wondering, do you guys do any work with the major influencers as part of your UGC content? Yeah, I think, uh, so your answer is no, we don't do any of that right now. Um, mm -hmm. It may be something we do in the future. We're still kind uh -huh. of exploring that. Right. But uh, if you kind of, kind of, if you kind of dive like directly into what a user-generated content definition is, uh -huh. it's actually quite the opposite of a influencer marketing because user-generated content typically is nothing, you don't, you don't pay for it, right? right? So it's true earned media or earned content right. that you don't necessarily pay for it. Um, and typically you want those type of, uh, the, those type of customers, I mean, those type of content, because there wasn't, there wasn't any um, alternative uh, reason why the customer created that content or the fan created the content aside from just pure love and great experience with your brand. And right. that you can tell very quickly just by the type of photo that's taken, the commentary that's, that's, that, that's shared on there. Now, nothing against influencer marketing, but influencer marketing, I think it's just maybe the secondary effect after you've seen someone be able to create a lot of great content for you without you necessarily prompting them uh, right. with, with any other incentives and say like, Hey, you know, we have an influencer marketing program. Uh, we'd love to maybe put you into it because you've been creating great content for us consistently. And yep. now, now that conversation becomes more like, okay, you, we can compensate you for something, but you know, we know that your, 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 your loyalty to the brand is greater than, than, than what maybe money can pay for. So we Absolutely. want to build that relationship with you 
and 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 sort of uh, start something start start something more with you, obviously. So, yeah, to answer your question, we don't do anything with influencer marketing, but it is like a secondary or uh, next step that yep. we're exploring because it's 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 very natural uh, evolution to uh, a customer who's creating a lot of content, great content for you, without you prompting them to now creating something more uh, more. Personal. Yeah, because yeah, he sees the brand is overexcited by his content or yeah. her content, and you know, all of a sudden they they have the more interest, and you know, they're Social status is elevated a little bit. That's correct. That's correct. <laughs> yeah. And actually, you know, make me think also the fact that um, obviously the work that you guys are doing is uh, externally facing uh, customers, right? Yes. What about uh, looking internally inside organizations? So when we think about employee advocacy programs, yeah. where you want to kind of surface internally in the corporation intranet. Yeah. Yeah, so it goes into uh, the way best way I can describe this one is probably giving you guys an example again. So um, another example I've, I've read uh, and really uh, admire is what Cisco is doing. Mm -hmm. So Cisco um, is still probably doing what they call uh, hashtag we are Cisco. Yep. And essentially their main goal with uh, their initiative with this is more around engagement Mm -hmm. and a little bit of conversion. So in the engagement side, it's like, how can we really in, you know, engage our, 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 our employees? But at the same time, how can we recruit great talent and help them understand who we are? And mm. so the best way to do so is really utilizing your, what we call employee-generated content. Right. So what Cisco did was they created this hashtag and they said, hey, you know, Cisco, everybody employees-wise, um, you know, use this hashtag at any given time throughout your day to really show what it's like to work at Cisco. Hmm. And so uh, they launched that and um, some stats on in 2016, they, um, so they, so they grabbed all that content real quickly. They grabbed all the content and then they, you know, dispersed it on their own Instagram channels. Uh, they created, uh, they, they, you know, use Snapchat as well to showcase those stories. And essentially um, got a lot of great uh, results. The main one I'll kind of share is that they would uh, embed this content onto their career site and they got oh, around wow. 300,000 300, plus visits in that full year by integrating user-generated content or essentially employee-generated content into there. Because as a new applicant, if you think about it, as a new applicant, I can read and see what you think the company is all about. But until I see it from the actual people themselves, I won't believe it, right? So right. They, they got a big influx of traffic because now people were able to see what it's like to, to work at Cisco and Cisco was showing that it was all powered through through their employees. So, so, yeah. so what was the dominant format for those stories, like video or tweets? It could be both, both, both photos and videos. Mm, as photos and videos. Ones. Yeah, both, both photos and videos as the primary ones. Oh, that's cool. That's, <laughs> yeah, because... It, it, it makes sense, you know, in organization when you want to, as you said, create this authentic voice of both employees, but also, you know, in terms of <clears throat> knowledge sharing and kind of breaking silos and letting uh, employees uh, share their ideas, I think yep. uh, internal UGC is definitely effective. Yep. Uh, one of the things that uh, I'm also curious to, to know is... Uh, as you said, you, you know, as part of your end-to-end -end process, uh, you work with your clients to uh, achieve a conversion and engagement uh, business objectives. But uh, 
Can you talk a little bit about how do you measure a success? What are your KPI criteria for sure. different stages? Of- sure, yeah. So there's definitely metrics for each of the stages that, that relates to um, the part of the, fun, uh, the customer journey. Uh, mm-hmm. So for example, if it's on the top of the funnel where it's like more of the awareness and the evaluation and consideration sides of things. It it is more on like impressions and engagement. So Uh each engagement though, and each of these funnels are a little bit different. So awareness, obviously engagement means like, um, you know, did they click on something? Um, But on the research side, it may be like time spent on site and Mm. consideration may be like if they click through to uh, the purchase page afterwards. So there are, there are ways that, um, these brands are essentially mm-hmm. like showing before and after, right? So on your website, if you do display this, you know, before you did it, what was your time spent on site? What was your number of mm-hmm. click-throughs? Um, and then when you did implement this, you know, we can also track um, the journey of them clicking on uh, a purchase page afterwards and say like, okay, did you get more, did you get more clicks uh, after you embedded, uh, you know, customer content onto your, onto your websites and we can help them track that. So, um, on the engagement side, to answer your question, the engagement side, the measure of success is really like audience participation uh, and sort of clicks. And then conversion is really clicks and um, purchases. Uh, right. And, and do you find that uh, there are still some challenges in uh, figuring out the entire attribution? Uh, oh, absolutely. <laughs> oh, absolutely. All the time because marketing is not just siloed with one initiative. You have so many channels you're pushing you have so many um, uh, campaigns you're probably running at the same time. So they're all attributing to that. So even when we say that, you know, we were able to increase this by this amount, we can't fully attribute just to us because the marketing teams may have been doing other things at the same time. The only way we can do so is we can say, you know, stop all the other things and just focus on this part, but that's unrealistic. So um, it's sort of, you know, how we think about content marketing as a whole. You know, we can say that, um, you know, this content really helps with, you know, increasing revenue. But in, in fact, in, in actuality, there were a lot of other things that attributed to that, whether it was some PR article that came out at the same time that led to the traffic of this blog post and then this blog post then converted, et cetera, right. et cetera. Right? So there's, just, there's always a lot of different marketing attributions that could be tied to it. Uh, that makes it a little bit more challenging to say you know, it was this content that absolutely converted, like it does help. And there is research and science that proves that customer content is more authentic and more trustworthy. Uh, So that is, there is science, scientific proof behind that. But to say it's all attributed to this, it's very difficult because marketing teams are always running different experiments and campaigns all at the same time. Yeah, yeah, this is like the the wonders of the multivariate environment. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> basically, yeah, it's tough to, and especially when you think about uh, the dashboards that each uh, social platform has that definitely don't talk to each other. So how can you, I know there's the Hootsuite of the world that uh, trying to centralize uh, numbers, but... <laughs> yeah, that gets, all, it gets very difficult. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Cool. So uh, one of the things that uh, I, I keep thinking a lot about is, uh, w- you know, where this uh, whole future of uh, visual storytelling is headed. And especially as we think about uh, different platforms to display information. And since you guys are kind of uh, 
trailblazing the multi-platform <laughs> distribution of social content, uh, you know, from giant uh, uh, digital screens to, uh, you know, desktops, mobile, email. Where do you think this whole uh, trend is going to go? You know, we're talking about, uh, who knows, maybe next uh, in, in a few weeks, uh, Apple is going to announce their uh, new iOS 11 with the augmented reality that's going to level, play level the field for a lot of the uh, AR execution. So where yeah. do you think it's still going? Yeah, I mean, uh, <laughs> even in the past few years, we've been thinking about that where what if we integrated user-generated content into like VR goggles or you know, AR technology, like, like you know, all, these, all these different technologies. Uh -huh. And, um, you know, I think regardless of what medium comes out or what sort of marketing channel comes out, um, user-generated content or essentially social proof from other people are always going to exist. They've always existed since the past. Yeah. Um, but it's like what mediums and, and distribution channels will come out, that's going to be, I still think there are ways for us to get that right content into the into that right place that's how we always think about the future and in, in providing the most value it's around mm -hmm. getting the most effective content which we're saying is really the customer content and user journey content into the right channel um and at the right time uh so at the right time means you know which part of the uh, of the buying buying journey uh they would be, be considering right. so um, yeah, regardless of which channel comes out, I think there are still ways to integrate it into those distribution channels. But beyond, um, you know, how we think about the future of storytelling, um, I saw this one slide that was shared by this one person. His name is, uh, his name is David uh, Berkowitz. And uh, he actually connected with me afterwards after I shared this with my, my team, which is the future of storytelling might be what he's arguing and sort of what I can think in uh -huh. a lot is called story making. Right. So instead of just telling your story, it's around making your story together with your, with your community and with your audiences and with your customers. So he, he kind of shares that instead of, it, instead of making the story all about, you know, proprietary, these are, you know, first kind of new thing, yep. it's going to maybe be more participatory. And uh, the way to do so is by inviting your audience to create that story and make that story with you. Um, instead of making the story telling all about centralizing it, what if we decentralize it and organize a group of, you know, great influencers or micro influencers to create content for you. Um, and instead of, you know, predetermining your story, what if we embrace the un unpredictability of this story making um, by planning with your, with your audiences who are going to be creating that content. So yeah. there's this whole concept of story making being uh -huh. the, the next step of, of, of storytelling. So again, in, in summary here, instead of telling your story, the brand tells, your, tells a story. It's like, let's make a story together with our customers and with our audiences who our future customers will listen to more. Yeah, it's funny you mentioned uh, David because uh, after you published your, your post, I kind of exchanged emails with him because, <laughs> because it was a great uh, intro for me because I published a blog post uh, as well. Are you a story maker or a storyteller? Mm -hmm. That kind of touch on the on that dif difference. And right. my, my, my philosophy is that um, at the end of the day, uh, we are all uh, playing a dual role, both yeah. story maker and storyteller, because even 
myself as a, let's say on the brand side when I communicate a, a, a story once you receive it you add your spin to it yes by definition you are becoming a story maker because yeah. now it has your personal touch yeah, yeah and yeah. then you story tell it so we constantly kind of playing those dual role and I yeah. think uh, <laughs> I think that's a fascinating perspective as well. But yeah, I can see um, us, us as individuals, as storytellers, and then yep. collectively we are now story makers. Yeah. One of the things that also kind of uh, about, uh, regardless of the technology also, that I thought was fascinating. Have you had a chance to watch a Black Mirror yes. TV series? All right. So one of the things that probably at least stood out for me was uh, there was one episode there when uh, they talk about the future where, you know, people uh, have a, like a popularity score. Oh yeah. I know that one. Exactly. Yeah. So you think about UGC, you can think like of a future where, you know, your product reviews are becoming almost like your credit score yeah. and gives you benefits in the real world. <laughs> yeah. I always say that. Uh, I always say the, the explosion of social media and smartphones unlock the keys for us to allow consumers like you and I to be storytellers and story makers for brands now, because they just, they, you know, they, 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 they democratize both, both the smartphones and social media democratized yep. content creation for all of us. So now we have a voice that we can emit out very clearly. And now because that's not going to go away, um, it's awesome. And to see that brands are embracing that more and weaving that into they're marketing more and more. Yeah, and, and I think this influence power is, is really, over time, will turn into currency. And I think that's, that's what Black Mirror was all about too. Like, yeah, yeah. Currency. yeah. <laughs> so that was kind of interesting. All right, cool. So I just want to finish up uh, uh, for our audience. You know, now that we went through a nice journey of the UGC visual storytelling, if you can give uh, our audience uh, maybe three tips of uh, if they want to get started uh, in UGC marketing, you know, what are simple yeah. things that they could start thinking about? Yeah. So the first thing is, you know, uh, the one thing I always ask first thing for marketers who are interested in embracing user journey content is first, what is, what is your marketing goal? What are you trying to achieve? Um, you know, and aside from just revenue, like what else is there? And if it's around, if it's around engagement, if it's around conversion or if it's around something else or audience growth, whatever it is, like ask yourself that. And then the second question is asking yourself, how can user journey content come into play with that? Right? So if my goal is around conversions, how, then I ask myself, um, how does user journey content come into that? It's about finding the right content and then putting it in the right parts of the customer journey. And then from there, you can develop your strategy to embrace that and be able to use that at the right time. So, you know, rather than kind of jumping right into like, oh, let's just start using UGC, mm -hmm. uh, which I've seen a lot of marketers do and they don't really understand like what else after that. Um, start with the asking yourself like, what is your marketing goal? And then how can UGC play into that? And then after that, um, be able to create um, a strategy with that. And if you guys want to, you guys can, you know, hit up us, hit us up um, at tintup.com and then be able to uh, chat with us on strategizing the best ways to, to leverage uh, user-generated content and customer-generated content for your marketing. 
Yeah, yeah, that makes a lot of sense. So basically, it's about setting up the business objective first, yeah. what stage you are aiming, you know, awareness versus the uh, conversion, because yeah. each one will carry different content type. And as you said earlier, and different yeah, metrics. Exactly. So you can actually stage the intent and this way kind of extract the right content to yep. match that stage. Yeah, that's correct. That's cool. Right. So how our audience can reach out to you where they can find you? Yeah, you can uh, go to our website at tintup.com, T-I-N-T-U-P.com. Mm -hmm. uh, I always joke that we didn't get tint.com because it was just a little bit too expensive and didn't oh, want to spend okay. <laughs> So go to tintup.com and then um, you can reach me at T-I-M at tintup.com. So Tim at tintup.com if you want. And uh, I can either work with you or introduce you to someone on my team to, to work with you on that. That's awesome. Thank you so much, Tim, for a wonderful uh, conversation today. I mean, I learned a lot. I'm sure. Thank you. Um, Thank you so much for the opportunity. Yeah, I'm sure our audience is going to uh, enjoy uh, try to implement uh, those great uh, information as they roll out their marketing programs. And we're going to be uh, including a video recording uh, on our website, including uh, the Visual Storytelling Today podcast. Uh, with lots of the examples that Tim talked about. Uh, so you'll have all this information uh, in one place. And until next time, don't let your story wait too long. <laughs> thank you. Thank you, thank you. Have a great one. You too. Bye bye. Visual Storytelling Today is recorded in Miami, Florida. The show is published exclusively by Visual Storytelling Institute. Learn more at visualstorytell.com. You can subscribe to this podcast on the iTunes Store. Until next time, don't let your big story wait to be told.